You are listening to Aim for the Bushes. I'm your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And once again, it is only I, because of the current pandemic situation. If you were not aware, perhaps you've been asleep this whole year, which I wouldn't blame you. But yes, because of the current pandemic situation, we have been doing things differently than from our normal process. So, there is no Maggie the Mags with me today. And if this is your first time listening, Maggie the Mags is the person who would run the board. But she is not with me, as I said, because of the current pandemic. Everything is being done separately. So, if you hear a difference in sound quality, I apologize. But that is due to the current pandemic that is ongoing. But... Aside from that, today's topic, what are we talking about today? We're talking about who can yell the loudest. Now, you're probably wondering, what do you mean, who can yell the loudest? I don't understand. I didn't read the show description. And that's okay if you didn't read the show description. That's why you're listening now, so you can find out what today's show is and what I mean by who can yell the loudest. I'm talking about sports talk. Uh that you see on television, and I guess radio, but mostly television. If you watch like ESPN or Fox Sports Net 1, they have their morning sports talk shows, and and it always involves yelling about LeBron James. So i got to take a look at that, because there's some things that uh, annoy me uh, with that style of talk show or that style of television and then people's reactions to it that kind of uh i got some issues with and uh, you're gonna hear about today but before we get into that our non-legal legal disclaimer which is simply that any of the opinions expressed by me or by others in this show in previous shows and in future shows are just that opinions So I'm not claiming or we are not claiming that we have ultimate truth or that only our opinions are valid. Other other kinds of opinion can also be valid or other viewpoints can be accepted or at least acknowledged. So again, we're not saying that we have the right answer and only our views are the correct views. Okay, so like I said, who can yell the loudest? Have you ever watched ESPN? or Fox Sports 1, or whatever it is, or whatever is your local sports network, 24-hour sports network. Like here in Canada, we have uh, Sportsnet, uh, and they've they've expanded the, the lineup of Sportsnet channels. I know I think they've divided them by region, so I'm originally from Ontario, so I'm uh, mostly familiar with uh, Sportsnet Ontario, I think it's called, but I know they have like Sportsnet East, Sportsnet West, they have Sportsnet One, I think, I feel, or three, Sportsnet Three Hundred and Sixty, something like that. I don't watch Canadian sports channels all that much. I watch more Fox Sports One, but we'll get there in a second. And in the U.S., you have like ESPN and you have Fox, Fox Sports One, as I previously mentioned, and maybe you have a few smaller regional channels. I'm not familiar with every single channel that exists in the U.S., but uh, ESPN and Fox Sports 
are the two that uh, I am familiar with. So if you've watched those shows, you may notice a certain trend on how the sports commentators give their points. It's usually yelling. Usually yelling about who is who is the best. Who is the best basketball player of all time? Is it LeBron James or Michael Jordan? And you got to think, why, why do we have that style of television? Right? Like, what, what is it about that particular style that is so prevalent? And the simple answer is, it's entertaining. People like to watch other people argue. It doesn't matter what the subject is, but people like to watch people argue. And hold on to like specific opinions. So it doesn't matter if what you're saying is correct or not. But that you hold that opinion and you will shout over everyone else to get your point across. Not that it's necessarily an argument, but you will stick to it. And if I say it, uh, if I say it loud enough and, I re- and, and if I repeat it enough, uh, that's good uh, entertainment. No, I'm not saying good as in, like, I perceive it as good. I'm just saying that seems to be what's working because that's what these channels show and the the people that host these shows, uh, you know, they're not exactly hurting for money. They do pretty well for themselves, so obviously something's working there. And part of it is not just because, oh, people like like arguing. Part of it is because uh, people like... Part of it is to to make you angry because people respond to things that make them angry. And you might think, oh, it's just sports. Who takes this seriously? A lot of people do. A lot of people take sports seriously. And if you don't believe me, look, uh, at least I can say this for the U.S. I'm not sure about other parts of the world, but I'm sure this is true for other uh, sports areas. But if you look at the U.S., uh, university-level football or college-level football, Look how much money those programs bring in for their respective universities. Look at the stadiums that certain universities have. And this is like university. This is not even like the NFL or professional. I'm using football because football is big in the U.S. Look at, look at what they bring in in terms of money. Look how high, highly paid the coaches are. Especially for public universities, a lot of the time, in a lot of places, coaches, head coaches, at public universities in the United States tend to be the highest paid public officials. Not that they're necessarily public officials, but they're employed by the state because if it's a public university, right, it's funded by the state. Those tend to be their highest paid employees. Now think about that for a second. That's how much money university level football brings in. And again, like I said, it's not, it's not the NFL. It's not professional level. So sports, uh, you know, brings in a lot of money. Therefore, a lot of people take it seriously. So when I watch these shows, I I watch them because, like I said, they're entertaining. I don't get riled up by certain opinions or certain hot takes that are delivered, but sometimes it's just funny. It's funny some of the opinions expressed by some of these individuals. So I'll give you you a couple of examples. So if you watch, because you can look these up on YouTube, they put little clips up. So if you want to go and look into any of these shows, are people that I mentioned, please feel free to do so and you can judge for yourself or 
maybe you're interested in, in watching in general, you can see clips there if you don't actually get these channels, if you're not uh, from the U.S. I know a lot, of, a lot of my listeners are from the U.S., but uh, or maybe you don't have, because I think these are cable channels. I, I don't know how television works 100% in the U.S., Okay, so on, uh, what is it? Uh, what's the name of this? Uh, it is uh, on Undisputed with Skip and Shannon. So that's with Skip Bayless, who we will probably be talking quite a bit about today because you could argue that <laughs> it's really because of him that we have this current style of sports television shows. And with, uh, with Shannon Sharp, who was a former football player who is now a sports commentator. And I call them commentators and not analysts because uh, they don't really analyze plays. Like, to me, like, a sports analyst is someone who, like, really breaks down plays. Usually if you're watching a game during whenever the breaks are, so for hockey, like, in between the periods, or if you're watching something like basketball in the halftime, and then afterwards, or if you watch something like Sports Center usually they break down like certain plays and show like what certain players did right or what certain players did wrong in an individual play and like kind of like strategy involved like that's a sports analyst these kind of shows are not sports analysts sometimes they do talk about that a little bit but it's not really sports analysts it's like it's just they're paid to give their opinions and hot takes on things which is like commentary like me except i'm not paid <laughs> i'm not paid to give my hot takes but I'll give them to you anyways. So on Undisputed, for example, Skip Bayless, he's got a lot, a lot of opinions on sports people. And you can make an argument that most of those opinions are trash because they really don't hold up to scrutiny. But again, it's not about being right in the sense of being factually correct or going by like what numbers say or what stats say. Because that's boring. No one wants to listen to Someone lists off a bunch of stats. That's not engaging. Do you want to listen to numbers all day or do you want to hear two people yell about LeBron James? So a frequent topic that comes up is um, who's who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Like I was saying at the top of this, this episode, the top of the show, who's the greatest of all time? Is it LeBron James or is it Michael Jordan? Now to me, something like that, a question like that, that's something that is completely subjective. Uh, yes, you can back it up to with with numbers, with stats to justify why you believe a certain player is the best player. But ultimately, I believe it's it's a subjective choice. It's a personal choice. It's whoever you think is the greatest player. And now a lot of people would consider Michael Jordan the best player. I consider him the best player. Now I like LeBron James. I got nothing against LeBron James. He just won his fourth championship. I'm not a fan of the Lakers. I've never been a Laker fan, so I don't really care that they won. Because, like I said, I've never been a huge Lakers fan. But, uh, so yeah, so he just won. And so this will add to the ongoing debate of who is the greatest basketball player of all time. Is it LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Now, if you watch undisputed this is a topic and and other shows too uh what is it called on espn i think it's uh first take yeah first take on espn you have Stephen a smith another yeller he's probably also responsible for uh this kind of style that's been popularized within the last like 20 years because don't forget uh you know 
I think when did ESPN launch? Like in the 80s. So it's only been like 20 to 30 years that we've had like 24 hour sports channels, sports stations. So this type of television is relatively new compared to how old the actual medium is. So keep that in mind. So it's, you know, things are always changing, you know, it's always looking to see like what kind of thing works, what kind of thing keeps people engaged. So this trend is more recent, probably within the last like 10 to 15 years of like the yelling sports, sports show, sports panelist show. But yeah, so getting back to the, the great debate here. And so this is what I mean by like, um, well, coming up, I'll, I'll, I'll mention it in a second. But this is what I mean when I say like, it's about like just having an opinion and sticking to it regardless of any other kind of like consideration. So in the LeBron James, uh, Michael Jordan, who's the greatest debate if you watch Undisputed. And like I said, this is something that comes up on all these kinds of shows. They always talk about who is the greatest. So not just unique to this one program. So one of the things that is constantly gets brought up is who has like the killer instinct. So someone like Skip Bayless will say that like Michael Jordan has like the killer instinct and he can finish games, you know, and he'll take the, the, the final shot. That's one of those always a big thing is taking the final shot or like, I don't know. You can, I guess you can call it more selfish type play. Like you want the ball, you want to take the final shot. Now there's nothing wrong necessarily with a player who wants to take that final shot. Cause someone's got to take it. Whereas like LeBron James, he is someone who is more, uh, someone who will make the right, quote unquote, right basketball play. So basically what that means is if it's right for him to take the final shot, he will take the final shot. But if the right play is, or a more correct play is to pass the ball to someone who's open because he's getting double or triple teamed because LeBron James is obviously that good of a player where like you can't really guard him one-on-one. I mean, you can, but it's probably not the best idea. So. You can guard him one-on-one, like I said, but most times, especially late in a game, uh, you know, it's less than a minute, fourth quarter, important game, championship game, whatever it is, you're going to throw players at him. So what's, what, what's the better play to do? Try to get around three or four players and take a difficult shot, whether it's like a step back or something or a pump fake. Or just try to bulldoze your way straight to the hoop and lay it in or try to dunk it. Or because you notice you have, you know, two, three, four players collapsing in on you, find someone who's open and let them take an open, I know it could be an open three or it could be an open like long two, whatever it is. Just an open player and let them take the shot. So to someone like Skip Bayless, again, because he doesn't like LeBron James. For the most part. Now, I believe he holds this opinion just so that it riles all the LeBron James fans up. Because LeBron, he's, I would consider, the greatest active player. Like, someone who's currently playing in the league. So he's going to have, like, a lot of fans. You're going to have a lot of haters. You're going to have a lot of fans when you're someone as big as LeBron James. So I'm pretty sure he holds that just to piss all the LeBron fans off. Because I really don't see... Because, yeah, in this kind of thing, you're not really going to find, like, a, you know, a reasonable approach to these kind of things, a measured approach. And be like, oh, you know what? He does have his fair points. These are his weak points in this part of his game. And, but here's the strong suit, such as, you know, 
he's going to pass the ball to find an open man when you know the game is on the line. But again, that kind of that kind of style of television isn't engaging enough. So it's better to just like power on and yell about how oh LeBron James is no good because he won't take that final shot. So how can you consider him the greatest if he's not going to take that shot? And that's one of the things that like annoys me generally. And this isn't just this because of the style of television in terms of yelling about who LeBron James <laughs> about LeBron James and how good or not good he is. It's just one of those like sports opinions that are held like in general in terms of like who the greatest player is because it's a team sport basketball i'm just using basketball as an example because like i said this is what is i mean they talk about like football baseball same thing you get all like all this yelling but something that comes up nearly all the time is lebron james because he's one of like i said he's the biggest athlete currently playing i would say and basketball in general is such like a global or increasingly global sport now you could say soccer is like a more global sport yes but it's not big in North America compared to like the rest of the world. And so, yeah, so this is coming from a North American point of view slash Canadian point of view. So, you know, if I, if I was from Europe, I guess I would maybe make, maybe making this about, uh, you know, Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo or something. But anyways, back, back to the, the basketball and the great debate here is, uh, yeah, basketball is a team sport. So, when you say how good even someone like Michael Jordan is or Kobe Bryant or, you know, you want to go further back like to Wilt Chamberlain or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Magic Johnson or Larry Bird or whoever it is, basketball is a team sport. Michael Jordan doesn't win the games all alone, right? You don't play one on five or it's not one on one, right? There's five people, well, 10 people in total, but five people on your team and it takes all five of you to work together to win, right? This isn't like back when you're kids and there's one player that's so good that I can basically outplay everyone, right? When you get to high enough level of basketball, any sport, uh, you know, there's not no not one player can do it all. Because like when I was a kid, I don't know if you're someone who played hockey or if you have similar thing in soccer. I assume it's the same, like soccer, uh, baseball. Well, baseball is a little different because you don't, Baseball is the one sport where you don't have two teams on the field at the same time trying to take the ball or a puck or whatever the object is from one end to the field to the other of the field, right? Because that's how you can break down almost all like team sports is you have a ball or an object and you got to take it from this side of the field or playing surface to the other side of the playing field or playing surface. So, like, for hockey, you got to take the puck from generally from your end. I know you start in the center, but, you know, you move around the, 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 the rink. But you got to take it from your end, basically, and you take it to the other end, and you got to put it in the little net. And same with football. You start on your end of the field, and you got to take the ball to the other end of the field. With basketball, you start on your end of the court, you got to take it to the other side of the court. Baseball is the only sport where it's not really like that, so it's a little bit different. But, like, when I was a kid, I played hockey. And, you know, just like House League, so which is like basically the easiest, I guess, it can be in terms of like skill level. So you're at the bottom, you're the lowest. And back then, as I'm sure now, 
you had players who were good enough. Who were good enough to basically, uh, like hockey here, to take the puck from one end, skate around everyone, and put the puck in the net. That's what, That's how good they were. That was the discrepancy in skill level that existed. You could have one player who takes the ball or takes the puck from one end all the way to the other end and puts it in the net or in the hoop or whatever it is. They score a point. And so basically, if you're on that team, you don't really have to do anything because you got that one guy who can do all that and you guys will always win pretty much. So I had a player like that. He wasn't on my team, but there was a guy who was really good. He was better than, uh, like I said, everyone in the league. Uh, he didn't play higher because he get a concussion or maybe he had a brother that got a concussion or something like that. But he was too advanced for the skill level that he was playing. At. And so when you're at these lower levels, that exists. Like I see it all the time on uh, some basketball YouTubers that I watch where it's basically uh, it's them and and I guess some people that they know. And they go to like um, gyms or public courts that are outside. And then they play, either they join like pickup games, so like five on five pickup games, or they'll do like one on ones with like goobers who like to play basketball. Now, there's nothing wrong. I'm a goober that likes to play basketball, and I'm not particularly skilled, but it's fine. You know, you're not super skilled. You're a goober. You know, you're a goober. <laughs> or you're just like a Joe Schmo, whatever. You're just like a regular Joe playing. You're not particularly advanced in your skill. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to be like, again, the best player. But I don't find these kind of things like impressive when someone who's really good and it's basically them, they can just like dominate the whole field because they're just that much better, right? So when you start playing at higher levels like university, like if you're at a D1 school or you play in the NBA or you're playing in the NHL, whatever it is, the level of competition, like there isn't that great of a disparity between like how good versus how someone bad is. Even if you're pretty bad and you're in the NBA or in the NHL, like, you're still pretty good. Uh, now, I guess NHL, you could make a stronger case for like goon type players, which don't exist as much. Well, goon enforcer type players who are not as prevalent in the current game as like in the past, like in the 70s, 60s, 70s. So these were players, if you're not familiar with hockey, who pretty much had no skill other than fighting other players other enforcers on other teams now you might think well why do we have these kind of players because what happens in hockey that you don't really find in other sports and don't actually this is i should i should say this is just for nhl hockey because uh, you don't really see this even in uh international competition hockey at least i don't really see it from some of the games that i watch so it's like olympics or uh was it uh, double IHF uh, hockey competitions? And now maybe this exists in other professional leagues in Europe. I don't know. I don't watch uh, European hockey at all. But basically in the NHL, the refs don't, in any sport really, refs don't call everything, right? Because if refs called everything, uh, the game, uh, there'd be no flow to the game. You'd be stopping every five seconds for, for a penalty or a foul or whatever it is. But in hockey... Uh, basically what had developed is that, yeah, the refs don't call everything. So you have players, like I said, whose only role is to like fight uh, other enforcers. But aside from fighting, uh, they're the kind of players that who play dirty, who take cheap shots, 
will do things to hurt your star player. And I mean like physically hurt, like take them out of the game hurt. Not just like say mean. Yeah, because you can get people who trash talk. You know, who try to get under your skin, try to throw you off your game. And hockey, compared to like, you know, um, basketball and like soccer, who are games that, you know, that don't have much physical contact, right? Whereas hockey, you do. Now, I'm not saying that no physical contact happens in soccer or, or basketball, but it's not actually part of the game. Like, you can't body check someone, whereas in hockey, you can body check someone. And that's fine. And so you do have clean hits. That exists. Sometimes you have a good clean check on someone. But a lot of the times you have not so clean hits. Right? Or in hockey, especially since you have a stick that you hold and you play the game, you can slash people across the legs, across the wrists, across the arms, on the upper body, back of the legs where there's like especially no padding. You know, so you can trip people up with a stick. You know, you can really uh, hurt people. Especially have their back to you, right? That used to be a big thing, hitting from behind. Now, I'm not talking when someone, like, is about to receive a check and they turn around real quick. Not that that's... If someone does that, like, you shouldn't turn your back because someone's taking uh, taking a hit at you or taking the check to you. You shouldn't, you shouldn't turn around like that last second. Like sometimes it's unfortunate timing, but yeah, you really shouldn't do that. In that case, I don't really have much sympathy for someone who's hit behind. If you purposely turn around to try to like make the play seem dirtier than it actually is, but you have these kind of players. So if I have a team and I have like enforcers or goons on the team and I go out and I hurt your star player. Now, generally it wasn't to like permanently injure a star player, but at least for the game, not even remove them completely, but, you know, like I said, disrupt their game or especially back back in the day when they had like nothing about concussions or anything like that. You know, you could really because players would would play like with concussions and stuff. It was basically just kind of like shake it off and get back out there. So team like so something like that could happen and the refs maybe didn't see it. Maybe aren't going to call it whatever it is. So teams are like, well, I can't just have my star player hurt like this. So we got to get our own guys and we're going to, you know, if someone touches our star player, we got, we got an answer to that. And that's basically how you have that in NHL hockey. And it still exists today, even though, especially after the 2004, 2005 lockout, they made changes to kind of like get away from that kind of style of play in the game and really speed up the game and make things faster, make it more enjoyable, increase scoring and remove the goon slash enforcer element out of the game. But there you go. There's another tangent right there. As you know, I, I love a good tangent. So bringing this back, though, is it's a team sport, right? So you don't have the case where you have one player who can basically beat everyone on the field, who can do it all. That doesn't exist once you get the high enough levels. Right, so someone like Michael Jordan, like I said, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, uh, Isaiah Thomas doesn't matter. They're not doing it alone, right? Like I said, even like for Michael Jordan, you saw like in the '80s when he was the primary uh, point scorer on the Bulls, and he won like the scoring titles those years, like uh, basically before they won their first championship, so late '80s, like '87, '88, '89. Oh, top scorer in the league, but they didn't win a championship. I don't know if they had the best record in the league. I didn't look that information up, but that's not enough. Even if you look at someone like Will Chamberlain, look at his stats. 
someone who was a huge, huge scorer, and someone like Chamberlain who was like, <laughs> you know, a giant. I think is he like close to seven feet, almost a little bit over seven feet. Super tall, super tall guys. Like not even really a challenge. So that's that's a scenario. But again, this is when the game was younger, so it's not as specialized, not as intense. But I'm not saying they're any less skilled. But that's someone who could like do all the scoring. But even then, you look at him, how many championships does he have? Not, you know, five, six, seven. He doesn't have that many. I think he only has like two, maybe three. And I don't think he won any the year he was like, the years that he was a top scorer. So not enough. Not enough to be a top scorer. So it's a team sport, right? No one does it alone. So that's what I'm saying. Anytime this opinion is brought, and like I said, it's not just sports shows. Not just ones where they yell about who's better, LeBron James, Michael Jordan. It's like I even see it like on YouTube when people try to justify why Michael Jordan is the best or they try to justify why uh, LeBron James is the best. They bring in all these stats and advanced stats and all these numbers and they try to show you, okay, well, here's how the numbers play out. It's like it's not about that, though, right? Because, like, no one is that good. No one has been that good where they can do it all and win everything. And I don't mean they have to go with no losses, but I mean enough that they uh, fare well in the standings during the regular season and then also win a championship. It's just not possible because it's a team sport. can't do it alone. So you can be a great scorer, but look at all the people who have like top scorers in, in the regular season. They're generally not as uh, proficient or efficient in the playoffs. Playoffs different animal. So when I hear like, you know, it doesn't matter. It could be Stephen A. Smith, could be Max Kellerman, could be uh, Nick Wright. You know, first things first, could be Skip Bayless saying LeBron James or Michael Jordan is the best player. I'm like, yeah, that's again ignoring the fact that it's like a team sport. But like I said, people like to have arguments, right? Everyone wants to think that they're right. So you might be thinking, okay, why are you talking about it for that exact reason? Because sports is like a microcosm of our society in general. That's why I love sports so much. That's why I'll talk about sports a lot. Not every topic on this show is sports related, but, you know, it comes in here or there. Or you might find tangents in certain episodes where I go off on something sport related. It's because sports encompasses so much of our society in general, but in like a smaller scale, more compact, condensed thing. Where it's like you find all these things, and and like I said, in society at large, but in sports, so you have that, like I said, where it's more, it's beyond one person. But that's not entertaining television, like I said, to give a reasoned, a reasonable analysis of something, even if it's just commentary. Like I said, you don't necessarily have to break down plays because you can give your commentary, your hot takes, your opinions on things. But it's the ones where people get angry or upset or mad. Just look at Twitter. When someone posts something that like creates like a backlash or creates a sense of anger. That's why you have these things that get created in terms of like certain opinions that are formed by, uh, you know, sports people. It could be non-sport related, but since we're talking about sports, we'll keep it sports related. If you have a controversial take on something, right? If I tweet out, well, not that I'm big enough on Twitter, but if I, if I were, and I tweeted out, oh, LeBron James is soft, <laughs> and all his championships that he won were weak, 
and he didn't deserve them. I only get a ton, a ton of interactions based on that. And in the world we live in where you want views, you want clicks. So yeah, you can call it clickbaity. That's going to be something that gets more of a response. It's going to be people going and doing their well actuallys and telling me why I'm dumb or whatever, why I'm stupid. And that's exactly what I want more attention. So I can put out something like that. Or I could put out something reasonable and say, you know what, LeBron James is a really good player. You know, and I could say, put a more measured response and like like what I just offered now and be like, you know what, each uh, you know, individual player in the NBA who's considered a great, you know, like deserves the recognition that they've received for the accomplishments that they've, you know, achieved. And go on and on and say that and saying that teams, it's a team sport, so you can't really break it down to one individual player. Or you can't break it down to like championships that uh, a player has won because, it, again, it's a team sport. So, you know, Jordan won six, six rings, six championships without losing any in any of his finals appearances. And like, that's good. That's that's impressive to win every single championship finals that you've made. Of course, that deserves some kind of recognition in terms of being able to win when you're put in that situation. But it's not the BL end all. Like I said, he had teammates. He had other people that played well. You know, other people that rose to the occasion who made shots when they needed to make shots. So to say then that, well, he's the greatest player because he got it done all times. Well, he wasn't the only one that got it done. Other people got it done too. And the same for every player. So that's why I said it comes down to like subjective. It's whoever you think is the best player. It could be someone who's not done anything uh, of note in terms of like winning championships or amount of games or like points scored or like assists or rebounds or whatever it is or for whatever sport all right it could just be someone you like uh my favorite team is uh you know the raptors and this is my favorite Raptors. but therefore to me this he's the best player ever well that's fine if you want to hold that opinion that's why he's the best to you like that's legit okay that's fine i may say well he's not the best player to me because you know i, I look at you know i incorporate more things into it beyond someone who just plays on my favorite team like I said, that's not interesting television if you had, or that's not uh, engaging enough entertainment in general because it doesn't have to be limited to TV. Like I said, you can post this stuff on Twitter or Instagram, uh, any other kind of short form, whether it's video, video or written content. But like I said, these strong opinions, the more hard-headed you are, the better it is, right? So if I'm Skip Bayless, like I said, I'm sticking to LeBron James, uh, doesn't have killer instinct, doesn't have the intangibles as he likes to say. And he's going to say that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time because Jordan had that killer instinct. He went 6-0 in the finals. Right? Like, let me... There, there's another... <laughs> now, this one kind of annoys me, but there's another uh, opinion that Skip Bayless has. And again, he has these opinions not because they're necessarily true or I don't, know, I don't know if he necessarily believes them, but it's enough to get people upset and watch or engage in some way to talk about it. That's why Fox paid, because he was on ESPN and he moved to Fox. And I'm sure he signed a pretty lucrative deal to go to Fox. Probably more than whatever ESPN was offering. And there's a reason for that, because it'll get people watching. Again, it doesn't have to be good, these opinions. It just has to get people to watch. So it doesn't matter how hard-headed it is, how stubborn he is on maintaining these opinions. It doesn't matter if there's things or facts that say that this opinion is not necessarily correct. It doesn't matter. As long as you stick with it, as long as you hold it and you maintain it, 
and you repeat it and you yell it over everyone, that's more engaging. That's more entertaining. So let me give you another example here. This is a football. And this this example, because this this, <laughs> this gets me upset. Because I'm just like, no, this is there's no way that this is true. He I, I was watching an episode uh, probably I don't know, four, five, six months ago, or maybe it was last year, I can't remember. And they're talking about Tim Tebow. Because if you don't know, Tim Tebow is a former NFL player who was a quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Uh, was it 2013 or 2014? Somewhere there, they had this playoff run, this miraculous, literally miraculous playoff run that they kind of went on. Because like in football, their playoffs are one and done deals. So once you make the postseason, you have a playoff game. It's like if you win that game, you move on to the next round. It's not like baseball or hockey or basketball. I don't know, soccer, they do the legs. So they do like a two-part series or whatever it is. I don't really watch soccer all that much. But most leagues don't have a one game decides the winner of a playoff uh, series or round or a championship. Football's the only game, or sorry, football's the only sport that really does that. So, for example, you make the playoffs of like your division, and if you win that game, you move on to the next round. That's it. It's not a series, it's not best of five, a best of three, a best of seven. Not, nothing like that. So, football's like you either win or you lose and go home. That's it. No other choice. So, the Denver Broncos went on this kind of like I think they barely made it to the playoffs. And then they won like the next two rounds of the playoffs. I don't think they made it to the Super Bowl. Maybe they made it to the conference finals? Or the AFC, NFC finals or whatever? Or round? I don't know because I don't really watch football that much. I find it too slow and boring. But anyways. But they were all pretty much like last minute Hail Mary passes. And that's kind of like how he won. And the other noteworthy thing about him is that he was someone who was like super religious too. So a lot of people, uh, football, especially in areas, uh, I guess like in the, the, the Bible belt of the U S right. Like they'll cling on to, Oh, here's this guy. Cause you don't really hear that much from athletes about like Christianity and their belief in Jesus. Now I'm not saying none of them are religious, but generally that's not something they bring up to the forefront. That's not what they incorporate into their public persona for the most part. Maybe some of them, I don't know how many people who play sports are actually religious, but generally they don't make a big deal about how religious they are. But Tim Tebow is someone who was, that was part of his personality, his public persona, was his faith in Jesus, which is fine if you want to have faith in Jesus, whatever. I don't really care about that too much. But people are seeing as, oh, this is a sign of God that, uh, you know, they're, they're winning. So basically they, he would have, like, like I said, Hail Mary, which is like a last second throw to like a touchdown or to a receiver who then ran in for a touchdown or something along those lines. It was a long time ago now. So it's not fresh of mind exactly what happened. But he went on this like little streak and Denver got farther than they thought because they kept getting these last second wins. So we basically they pulled it out of their ass last second. Now that can take you for a time, but generally speaking, your luck will run out sooner than later. And so these are not good teams. If you have to win a game last second and the game wasn't super uh, close, because sometimes the score doesn't reflect like how competitive or how close or how fierce each team was in the game. 
right? So if you get blown out, obviously one side was way better than the other. But sometimes you have close games, but one team really outplay the other, but the score doesn't reflect that. Like one time when I was at Concordia, it was Concordia versus McGill soccer game, women's soccer game. Now, the McGill team was really good. Concordia women's soccer team at that time, and the men's team too, they were not very good teams. They were kind of shitty. They were like at the bottom of the standings, pretty much. I don't know if any of them had even won whenever this game was being played. But this is like a couple years ago. So like I said, McGill, way, way better team. But what happened was Concordia managed to score. They scored first. I think they won the game one nothing, But they managed to score. And it's just kind of like, oh shit, we scored. Fuck, okay. Awesome. We're just going to hold on to the lead. So the rest of the game was pretty much all in Concordia's end, Concordia's half of the field, with McGill in possession of the ball trying to set something up to score. Now, Concordia would get the ball and like kick it down the field or sometimes take it down the field, but for the most part, McGill had majority of the possession and majority of the playing time was in Concordia's defensive end. But McGill had plenty of chances. And they could not score a goal. They kept missing the net or the goalie saved it. I don't remember if the the goalie saved, like the goalie was on fire and just like saving everything. I, I remember like McGill either taking like weak shots or missing the net or sometimes the shot was blocked. But basically Concordia was doing whatever it could to prevent McGill from scoring, but they couldn't really, they didn't, we didn't have the skill to, you know, play an even match and actually, you know, keep the ball down in McGill's end or something like that. I try to score again or something. It just wasn't going to happen. That's the the disparity in terms of like uh, the skill between these two teams. But that's what happened. McGill wasn't able to score, even though they outplayed Concordia by a lot. And I remember watching people in the the, the stands who were like McGill fans, who were like upset because Concordia wasn't trying. <laughs> they weren't trying to take the ball out and score. I'm like, why are you mad? Because you have the ball the whole time. You're the ones who can't score when you should probably be winning this game like by like at least five goals. So in the football, it's not exactly the same because like you don't have a goalie blocking a net that you're trying to do. You just run the ball in the zone. But sometimes, like I said, one team can outplay the other. And football is a game where you can have a last second play that wins the game. And same with basketball. Same with hockey too, but football and basketball, um, you can still be active while the the clock is uh, at zero. Football more so, as long I think you, you know someone could correct me on this. Like I don't watch football, but I'm pretty sure as long as you start the play before the clock, the game clock runs out, the 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 play continues until it's dead. So you can literally throw. As long as I guess as long as the ball leaves your hand before zero seconds expire on the clock, the play is still live. And basketball is kind of similar, although you can't move around. But basically, as long as you launch the ball before the clock runs down to zero, the ball is still live until it touches the ground or goes through the hoop or hits the backboard or something until it, con- until it comes into contact with something. So you can take a shot from half court, and maybe it's a close game, you know, within three points. That's the max that you can score, and you can tie it or win it like that. And a football is the same thing. If it's close with it, because you have six points for a touchdown, you can come back. So sometimes games are, you know, three to two in terms of touchdowns. So you can come back and tie it, or it depends, because you can also get points through uh, getting field goals. So a team could get like a bunch of field goals and maybe one touchdown, 
and the other team gets like a couple touchdowns and the game could still be close and you can win it on a last second uh pass a last second touchdown a last second field goal depending what the score is and how close uh the scores are to be one another so tim tebow was able to pull that off like two or three four weeks in a row where Denver came back from a last second on a last second play, a last ditch effort, Hail Mary, you know, pass, Hail Mary play, whatever, and was able to pull out the win. But like I said, when you're banking on winning at the last second, that's generally not a good strategy. Because like I said, eventually your luck will run out at some point. So that's what happened. And then I forget how many years he played at, uh, at Denver, but then eventually he went to New York, like the New York Jets. I forget if he went in free agency or if he was traded. And I don't remember if he actually played for the Jets or if he was cut before the beginning of the season or if he played a few games and then went to another team. I think after he went to another team, but then was cut before the beginning of the season. And then left football. And Skip Bayless says and maintains that Tim Tebow is a great quarterback and that he has exceptional skill and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, no, he didn't. This is someone who I think was in the league for less than five years. You can't say you're a great quarterback and you're in the league for five years, let's say. Now, maybe you could be a great quarterback and you got injured or something else happened that took you out of the league. But you can't get cut from a team before the season starts and say that this person's a great player. Because if you're a great player, you're not getting cut. Or perhaps there's something else going on and there's a reason why you got cut. That's not related to your on-field skill. Because sometimes players can be really good on the field, but they got a whole bunch of issues off the field. And a team just like, yeah, you're good, but you're not that good, so we're not going to put up with it. But another team will take you, generally speaking, if you're good enough. Then he maintains that Tim Tebow's a good player. And I was like, no, he was not a good player. Someone, Like I said, someone in the league for five years, or less than five years, less than six years, whatever it is. Not long enough, you know, to be considered, like, great. A great player. Maybe he was okay. I think it was like, okay, it was way, way overrated. Because again, when you have a string of last second success, that's not a good strategy. Most teams do not play to win on the last, very last play. Generally, you don't want to be having, it happens obviously because, you know, stuff happens while you play, but no one is planning to always win last second. And then so after he left football, he went to play baseball. And he was playing minor league baseball for the New York well, not the New York Mets, but their, whatever their minor league affiliate is. And he's been playing baseball, I think, for like the last, I think, around five years, too. And, and, and Skip said that he was a good baseball player. And just kind of like, what? what are you talking about? Someone who's in the, like, I know baseball is a hard league to get into. Like, unless you're like a prodigy or someone exceptional, you usually do have to spend a lot of time in the minors to even get to the major leagues and a lot of people that spend their time in the minor leagues will only ever be in the minor leagues that's how difficult it is to make the major leagues it's not a guarantee because i know sometimes in like uh you know in the nhl you maybe you'll play in the ahl for a bit and then you'll come up if you're like a top prospect if you're someone who's lower yeah you're spending most of your time in the minor leagues or in the ahl but I think baseball, even if you're a really good prospect, I don't know how drafting works exactly in baseball, but even if you're someone who's considered a really good prospect, you're going to spend a number of years in the minor leagues. Now, part of the reason why they do that is to like develop your skill better, uh, but then also they don't have to pay you, so it's like a money management thing and undervaluing your skill, your worth. 
as a player so they can like you know develop you more and then when they bring you up to the 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 majors it's the way it's how they calculate when your major league time starts it has to do with once you're in a contract negotiations or come into play at the end of your contract so it's a way of like keeping players undervalued for longer that's part of it it's not the only reason So you have someone like Tim Tebow who's been playing in the minor leagues for like, like I said, I think like five years or something. And I'm like, I, I don't see him getting out of the minor leagues. And he maintains that he's a great baseball player. Skip maintains that he's a great baseball player. I'm like, what? No, it doesn't done anything that seems remotely impressive. Now, I don't really follow his career super close, but if he was really good, eventually, especially someone who has like, a name, right? Because you could argue that a lot of these minor league players, even if you're like a higher prospect, you're not really well known outside of, you know, people who care about players and prospects in the minor leagues. But someone like Tim Tebow, he has some kind of name recognition as like a former starting NFL quarterback. It's like when Michael Jordan retired from basketball in 1993 and went to go play for the Birmingham Bulls. I believe that was their name, the minor league team of the Chicago White Sox. You know, he went down and played in the in the, in the minor leagues, but because he's Michael Jordan, right? That's name recognition. And when people went to see, wait, did I say Birmingham Bulls? Barons. I think they were the Barons, not Bulls. I don't know why I said Bulls. I think that was a team. Anyways, when he played for the Barons, I think it was Birmingham Barons, I want to say. Right? That was name recognition. Right? Their team games, not just home games, anywhere they traveled to would, would be sold out. Now, minor league baseball, they don't really sell out. I mean, maybe, because I don't know how big their, their stadiums are, their fields are. I don't know what fan attendance is like. But I know a lot of people go to see minor league players. I'm not saying no one does. People obviously do. But usually it's not that big of a fanfare. But then you have someone like Michael Jordan coming. Like, hey, like I said, that's name recognition. Now, from what I've heard from people talking about Jordan's play and his dedication and his work ethic, if he stayed with baseball, many believe that he would be able to, he would have been able to to make it to the majors. And then you have like other, other players uh, earlier in the 90s, like... Uh, Bo Jackson and uh, was it Deion Sanders? Deion Sanders? I think so. Who played football and baseball. Right? So that's name recognition. So you have that name recognition. If you're someone, like I said, who was Bo Jackson, who played for the Raiders and then I think it was the Kansas City Royals. Right? So you have that name recognition. So that gives you an advantage compared to someone who, like I said, maybe is a top prospect, maybe very good, but like I said, it's difficult to get into the major leagues. And so how are you going to say that someone like Tim Tebow is a good player when he's done nothing impressive from what I can tell? No one else talks about how great he is. If everyone, like I said, if there was a consensus that he was so great. And so that's one of the things that, like like I said, that, that gets me riled up. Not, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear my voice. I'm not super riled up. But that's something I'm just like, what, what are you saying? But that's the kind of thing that they want. Exactly that. And you got people, like I said, who take this more seriously. Who will get on Twitter and like tweet. And talk about it and watch, right? I don't want to necessarily call it hate watching, 
But that's kind of like the the idea. And then so you get into, like I said, this shouting match that will happen then. It's like, oh, Tim Depot's a good, yeah, he's good. No, he's not good. Yeah, he's great. No, he's not great. You're going to get into that kind of style of yelling. And that's going to keep people watching. That's going to keep people engaged. But it doesn't matter about like the actual facts or the actual stats of things, right? It's do you go with that gut feeling and hold that opinion no matter what? Like I said, a popular example is LeBron James, not just if he's the greatest base, uh, basketball player of all time, or is it Michael Jordan? That's one thing that comes up. But LeBron James in general comes up every day on these kinds of shows. Because, uh, like I said, he's LeBron James. If you talk about him, you're going to get people watching. Because he has a lot of people that don't like him. He has a lot of people that do like him. Like I said, I think he's the greatest basketball player currently playing. For sure. Like there's, To me, there's really no doubt about that. So all this season, this is going to be my, my last example, just interjecting there real quickly before we wrap this up here. But that's uh, one of the things that have come up though, this whole season is how good are the Lakers? Are they going to win a championship? Now, obviously, this is after they've won. So they did win a championship. It's one of the teams that we heard about that could make the finals. Now, obviously, if you have someone like LeBron James on your team and he's still playing well, then yeah, that's a real possibility because LeBron James is that good. But like I said, it was a topic that came up every day on all all these shows. You can go, like I said, just go go to YouTube and like look up Lakers clips and segments, and you'll see everyone all these kind of style of shows talking about can the Lakers win? You know, uh, people were talking about a Clippers Lakers Western Conference Finals. Obviously, that didn't happen because the the Clippers blew their freaking lead against the Nuggets, but. That's a different story for a different day, but the Lakers were able to make it. And uh, it's something I heard about all season long, when the season started last October, or even technically before the season started. But anyway, since last year, that's all I've been hearing about. The Lakers, Clippers, and Milwaukee. Those were the three teams. Everyone was certain in the East it was going to be Milwaukee. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, because like I said, I am from Canada, and my favorite team is the Toronto Raptors, who were last year's champions, and who have been a good team within like the last five years, where they play uh, placed uh, you know relatively high in the standings. I think won their division most. I think seasons within the last five seasons they won their division, and they're a good team. Like I said, they're coming off a championship from last year. They didn't have Kawhi anymore, but they were still a good team because they were a good team without Kawhi. Like before they actually acquired him. And then last year, because Kawhi didn't play like 20 games or something. And they were still really good without him. Because a lot of people wrote off the Raptors. Because like, well, they don't have Kawhi Leonard anymore. So they're going to be a shit team. A lot of people had them barely making the playoffs. And I'm like, they're not, like I said, they're not that bad of a team. They weren't, they weren't like, you know, bottom of the standings team. Oh, then they got Kawhi. Oh, and then all of a sudden they shot up to being... Because uh, last season they were second in the standings. And then obviously, like I said, they won the championship. So the, it wasn't that like type of rags to riches story where they were awful. And then, oh yeah, they got this great player and then they won. It's like, no, no, they're already a great team. And then they added a great player that made them an even better team and helped them. I mean, they had a couple of breaks with the injuries to the Warriors and stuff. But still, nothing that they can control. But they won. That's it. That's the end of the, at the end of the day, they won. 
So, like I said, this annoys me as a Raptors fan because all I heard all year was about Lakers, Clippers, and Bucks. And no one wanted to give any respect to the Raptors. No one to say, you know what, the Raptors could also be there too. Because in the East, they would say Milwaukee. Like, all, like I said, all, all season long, it was about how Milwaukee is going to be the Eastern Conference team to make it to the finals and face either the Clippers or the Lakers. And then, but sometimes they'd be like, well, if it's not Milwaukee, because in the playoffs, like anything could happen, there's no guarantee that just because you're the first seed that you're going to win. Like last year, Milwaukee was the first seed, but the Raptors were able to beat them in the Eastern Conference Finals. So they're like, okay, potentially another team could come in there and win and beat the Bucks because they're not undefeatable, even though they had a pretty good record before the stoppage in March. But they had, uh, they would list Boston. Miami, Philadelphia, and maybe one other team that I can't recall at this moment in time, but basically those three teams. And so, you know what? They also have potential to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm sorry, the Eastern Conference Finals, NBA Finals. And I'm like, uh, hello, why isn't the Raptors one of those teams? The Raptors is better in terms of standings than all those teams. And I think they could beat all those teams. Now, you may say, oh, yeah, but Raptors lost to, to, to Boston. And, and then, yeah, it's true, they did, because they didn't have a particularly good series. They did not shoot the ball well, especially in game one and two against Boston. But I believe, overall, if they're hitting their shots, they're a better team than Boston. Like you say, well, you we have to hit their shots. But I'm just saying, I think they play better, and they have the skill to beat Boston. It's just that simple. And the game seven that they lost, there was only a five-point difference. So it's not like they got blowed out in that last game. Like I said, the first game they did get blowed out because they were really missing all their shots. And uh, again, this is a small little side tangent. They were over-reliant on threes when no one was hitting threes. And I know this is just in general for basketball in general. Like I know right now the three game is big, but sometimes, at least in my opinion, the threes aren't dropping. You stop, stop going for threes. Because I understand, yes, I know there's the stats that say, you know, the most efficient kind of shot, you know, is getting threes from the corner or something like that. And you have different spots on the field or on the court, which are more efficient. And look, I understand all that. So basically, like really up close to the rim or like behind the three line are like the more more efficient shots. The least efficient shots are like midpoint jumpers. And look, I understand that. Whatever. You have that stat that says that stuff. But, like, at the end of the day, if you're not hitting your threes, you know, two points is more than zero points. So if you're missing, and this also goes for the Houston Rockets, who are basically a team built to make threes, but when they're not falling, or if they can't get the type of shots that they want to get, you're getting no points because you miss the net. And then if the other team is making their shots, there's going to be a huge imbalance in the score. And I'm just like, just make your shots. Just stop taking threes. Take it to the hoop, get fouled, shoot your free throws. And three, free throw uh, shooting is very important because you need to hit those. If you miss a bunch of free throws and you lose a game, that's probably why because there's a bunch of points you probably could have gotten from uh, free, missed free throws. But that's one of the things that annoyed me in these things. Now, obviously, their target isn't pissing off people who are fans of the Raptors because I imagine that's you know pretty low of who they're trying to hit with these shows. Because, again, this is in the U.S., this is American base. Not a whole lot of Raptors fans. I'm sure there are some, but compared to a team like the Lakers, like there's way less Raptors fans in the U.S. And uh, these channels do get carried here in Canada, but, again, their main market is going to be the U.S. So I understand why 
why they're talking about these teams in terms of making the finals, but it is very annoying. So we will leave it there. We'll put a cap, a cap on this one uh, about who can yell the loudest about LeBron James, why uh, our current sports media talk show landscape is centered around yelling as loud as we can and holding on to opinions that they don't necessarily make sense, but I will say it loud and I will repeat it even louder. That's what people want to see. That's what they want to get you engaged with so that you will be like, no, that's wrong, it's dumb, and we'll talk about it. Because even like when YouTube people make videos saying, quote-unquote, exposing people, exposing these analysts, uh, sorry, not analysts, commentators, that's engagement. That gets people watching. Oh, maybe I'll go watch and see what they have to say. And it's all part of the cycle. So just remember that. It's all part of the cycle. That's how it's supposed to work. So, like I said, we will leave it there for today. Thank you so much for listening. I have been your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And just quickly to restate our non-legal legal disclaimer, the opinions that I expressed today are just that, my opinions. You can agree or you can disagree if you like. I'm not trying to say that I hold the ultimate truth or that only my viewpoints are valid. I am open to other viewpoints as well. So if you disagree, that is totally fine. Perhaps you think LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan, which is fine. You can believe that. Perhaps you like the style of sports television, which is fine. Maybe you like yelling. Maybe you like Skip Bayless. I'm not saying I hate Skip Bayless. I don't mind. Like I said, to me, it's not that deep. It's just it's just entertainment. It's just something I like to have on in the background and kind of see what's being said. So with that, I will leave you. Please, everyone, stay safe. Thank you to all my listeners. Peace.